Eric Combs. All right, guys, how's everybody doing here? Welcome into Rover Sports, the podcast. And I'm, I'm very pleased to be joined by one of my good friends, one of my good friends on YouTube. And I hope I can go down to South Carolina and play golf. It's it's pigskin Pete and and Pete. I mean, I wish that we can go and uh, and play golf and, and spend time. But I don't know because of because of this crazy coronavirus. I don't know when we're ever going to hang again. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be here, man. Pigskin Pete. Um, yeah, man, things down here in South Carolina are crazy, as I think they are probably around the whole country, quite honestly. But uh, listen, we're, we're, we're living on. I think probably the golf course might be the, the safest place to be right now, <laughs> honestly. Absolutely. I, I was just playing last week, and unfortunately, they, they closed in, uh, in Philly. But have you guys closed the restaurants and the golf courses yet? So all of the restaurants and bars in South Carolina are closed. Uh, the golf courses aren't because well, I, don't, I don't think you, there's anything short of a nuclear bomb or a hurricane is not going to close the golf courses in South Carolina. So, oh, I love because the economy just makes just makes big dough because here in here in Pennsylvania, I mean, even the clubs are are, are closing everything because of maybe the. The government, the, the senator in, in Pennsylvania is maybe really, really strict a, about it. But I agree with you because I was out with my with my dad and you, you're just it's it's so much. It, it's almost like going on a walk and there's so much social distance in golf. You know, there's no contact with any other person, you know? Yeah. And um, like I said, they're, they're not going to close the golf. Now, listen, they may have. I don't think they have. Uh, I haven't you know, tried to make a tee time in the past week or so, so I don't know for sure. But I'm willing to bet anything that I own that they haven't closed the golf courses. And like you said, you're not coming in contact with a lot of people. I mean, yeah, maybe the person you're riding in a cart with, if you're walking, you definitely don't have to come in contact with anybody. Um, I've heard some golf courses are actually – making it a rule where you don't touch the pin. So you can't remove the pin when you putt, you just have to putt with the pin in. So you're oh. not touch, you know, so you're not touching the pin and then they're wiping down the golf carts with, you know, Clorox wipes and all that other stuff, uh, between <laughs> rounds. So I don't know. No ball marks either. Yeah. You, you can get the ball mark. You're not touching anybody with that. Yeah. And you're probably not going out with contaminated folks anyway, but I, I love that idea. And then the people that are just helping with, with the golf clubs, they, they don't need to stay anywhere near. Uh, they don't need to stay anywhere near the, the golfers, basically. No wiping down the golf clubs. Yeah, golf transcends coronavirus. That's what we've achieved here. But but in all seriousness, like I, I love I love the game and I'm just yeah, Pete. I mean, it's great having you on. I love chatting with you. It's just it's it's finding stuff to do with your time, because I know you're a Clemson fan. So, um, you know, college Clemson basketball. I don't even know the last time they were in the NCAA tournament, but I'm sure you're a huge fan of March Madness. Oh, I'm a huge fan of March Madness. I think the last time Clemson was in the NCAA tournament was two years ago. Hell, they made it to the Sweet 16 and oh lost. Oh my to, gosh! So that and, yeah, and lost to Kansas by like two points. It was a close game, uh, but they've only made it to the NCAA tournament once in Brad Brownell's history there, and he's been there for I think 11 years now or 12 years, something like that. And so I uh, listen. I'm I'm on. I'm not like a huge college basketball fan, but I am a a Clemson fan. And I, you know, I do root for the Clemson to do well in college basketball, but they haven't been great in their history. Number one, 
But since Brad Brownell's been there, he's been probably the least successful coach as far as making it to the tournament than any coach over the past, say, 30 or 40 years. Now, again, I don't expect Clemson to be making the Final Four or the Elite Eight or the Sweet 16 or anything like that on any sort of regular basis. The way I mark it is that I think that Clemson, being in the ACC and being in the part of the country that they're in, should at least, I mean, at the very, very minimum, be able to make the college tournament, the NCAA tournament, at least once every three years. I mean, is that too much to ask? Once every three years? It's absolutely not because you play in the ACC, so you have so many opportunities. I mean, you have Duke, you have North Carolina, Miami's not bad, Florida State's getting really good, Louisville. So you always have people coming into your house, and you look at NC State, and I don't view you guys, I don't view NC State as on some kind of different stratosphere in basketball. So, I, I mean, maybe NC State's history is a lot better. I think that their history is really good. but Well, here, I, here's what I'll say. This year, Clemson – this was a wild year for Clemson. So, Clemson finished the year 16-15, and 15, right? Um, and they were they, – they advanced to the third round of the ACC tournament. But they beat three top six teams, you know, at the time that they beat them. They beat Louisville. They beat Florida State. They beat Duke. They beat North Carolina. So you're talking about that's four teams actually four four of the the best programs in the country they beat this year and then they lose to teams you know nobody teams um, so I don't know they probably wouldn't have made the tournament even if they won the ACC tournament because of their some of the bad teams they lost to early in their year but uh, I still feel like that they should being in the ACC they should at least make the tournament once every three years I, I'm ready for Brad Brown now to be fired. <laughs> So, Pete, I want you to kind of give me a uh, maybe maybe a story or I, I'm, I'm curious because you're a huge sports fan. So um, I know you love football. You love you love college football in the NFL. But when you were in high school, uh, when, when you were in high school, even in college or middle school, did you have ways where you would try to skip class to like watch the NCAA tournament? Do you have some bracket? memories with your buddies i mean at what is the first weekend of march madness where does it rank for you on the on the uh mount rushmore of sports during the season that's a great question um as far as skipping school i didn't do that to watch the tournament i skipped school more to play golf than anything honestly um <laughs> but really I, I you know i always paid attention to, to the to march madness i think it's probably in the grand scheme of sports, it's probably one of the most, ex- you know, top three, probably most exciting couple of weeks in sports. So even if you're not a college football fanatic, which I'm not, you know, you still appreciate it, right? Like you always want to see Gonzaga go out there and beat Duke or, you know, St. Mary's go out there and, and knock off uh, Syracuse or, you know, something like that. Like, yeah, the upsets, this, the watching wall to wall of basketball. Yeah. Right, right. The, 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 and by the way, and, and and you know, from from morning till night, the just the constant playing of of games, the 64, or I guess it's 68 games now tournament, uh, that rivals anything in sports. I mean, there you don't see that in football, you don't see that in baseball. So yeah, it's 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 a different animal, and it's really weird to not see that this year. And it's uh, the first weekend that I, I think the first weekend is really where it's elite, unless you have your team in the second weekend. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Because you see a lot of the top seed 
you know, what are the top eight seed teams? You see a bunch of them fall in the first week. Exactly. And do and doing the bracket. And since you're a global sports fan, I mean, I think that probably second on your list is probably the Masters. Oh, well, listen, <laughs> we could do a whole podcast on golf alone, man. I, I've been to some great tournaments around the world. And um, yeah, so yeah, the Masters is is the creme de la creme. I mean, any of the any of the four majors are the creme de la creme if you're a golf fan. But the Masters is one that I've never been to. Um, I, my dad's been there a couple times. I've never been to it. I've been to the Players Championship, the U.S. Open, um, and some other great tournaments. The Harp, you know, the 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 MCI Classic. Or I don't know what they call it now, but at, at Harbor Town. Um, so yeah, but uh, yeah, the Masters is. You know, w- when was the last time the Masters was canceled? World War Two, or did, did they even cancel it then? I don't know if they did. I don't even know if Eisenhower and uh, I, I mean, it's unforeseen. I mean, that that's a great, great question because it, it might have been World War Two. I don't think the Cold War had any impact on on uh, on, on the Masters. Um, well, the Cold it, War didn't. I'm asking about World War Two. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, that's a great. Question. I, you know what? I don't think the, I don't think it was canceled during World War Two. I don't. I, as a matter of fact, I, and listen, I don't know this for a fact. I'm gonna go out on a limb here and say that the Masters has never been canceled. Yeah, and and it probably started in what 35 after Bobby Jones was winning those those championships. Uh, I think it goes back further than that, man. So, so you know what's interesting, Pete, is I I went to the uh, I it, last year was actually uh, and I don't do this to brag, but it's a cool story I'll tell a few your friend that uh, my dad for for his I'll just say a surprise birthday he's gonna get mad if I say the age, um, but it was a milestone birthday we went and we only had Sunday tickets to last year and that was the first time we've ever been to the Masters or been to Augusta period. That's and awesome. And it, yeah, and it was to see Tiger win. And it wasn't even that we thought it might have even been postponed because it, it happened during the day. So, you know, it would one day I want to see an evening finish. But to see Tiger, it was just fantastic. At Augusta was really special. Oh, yeah. Listen, that's great. I, you know, the, the, the year that I went to the U.S. Open was in 1999 at Pinehurst number two. Do you remember who won the U.S. Open in 1999? Payne. I'm going to guess Payne Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. Payne Stewart won. And that was a year before he died. And so, and it was Phil right there, like challenging. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Th- th- listen, that was a great that was a great tournament. And luckily, uh, we were there for the week, so I got to play. Uh, so there's like 12 or 13 courses in Pinehurst. I got to play Pinehurst number six, nine, and I think 10. So I played I played I played three different courses at Pinehurst that week, and then we we had weekend tickets, so we got to see the Saturday and Sunday round uh, with Payne Stewart winning, which which was awesome. And uh, yeah, there was a, bu- I mean, listen, a bunch of great players there. It was, it was uh, something I'll never forget. I still have some, some head covers and some memorabilia from that, uh, from that tournament. And that's wild. Cause you got to play on the property. Basically you got to play golf and you got to watch the tournament. And I'm sure that the greens at the other courses had to be rolling really well because it was the U S open, you know, have you, have you ever been there before? No, I, I've yes. never been. So there's, with all the different courses, there's a massive like difference in difficulty between the different courses. So we played like the medium level courses. I mean, Pinehurst number two is obviously the the hardest one, but uh, but the other ones they have easier ones and they have tougher ones. And we played about the medium 
was, but they're all in great shape. I mean, listen, you're talking about <laughs> the amount of money in Pinehurst is unbelievable. Yeah. And when the U.S. Open was like, I don't know how close it's ever been to you. I guess that's the closest. But the whole town shuts down and you can meet some of the players just at restaurants. And it's really cool. Oh, yeah. Listen, I've met a bunch of players over the years in, in different situations. But we have listen, I live, you know, I live in Charleston, which is only about 30 minutes away from Keough Island, which Keough Island is the mecca in, in South Carolina of golf. I mean, you're talking about the Ocean Course. Yes. And, and the Ryder Cup. And uh, I think it's in, in 2021. They're going to have the PGA Championship there. So I'm looking forward to possibly going to that. Yeah, Rory just ran wild the last time it was there. Yeah, I played I played the Ocean Course one time, luckily. Um, that is the hardest golf course in the world. And that and, and listen, the pros will even tell you. That's not me telling you that. That's the PGA players will tell you that that is the toughest course they've ever played in their life. And it, it is. If, if, you sh- if you're a two-handicap and you're used to shooting between 72 and 75, you'll shoot 90. That's it. I mean, that's how that's how tough it is. Because the wind is absurd. There's it's not just the wind. It's the wind and the layout of the course. I mean, probably I'd say at least six or seven of the tee shots on that course are completely blind. Now, if you know the course well, if you're a regular there, which there's not a whole lot of regulars there unless you're, you know, super rich and famous. But uh, if you don't know the course, you could think what you hit is a perfect drive and it'll be out of bounds. So it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. We could, we could even host a whole golf podcast on just the intricacies of, uh, of the lay of the land of Kiwa. Cause I could talk about that for a long time. We're talking here of pigskin Pete. He's a good buddy. We're catching up here on the Rover sports podcast. And now I want to ask you here, um, about the main sports news. The only sports news we have is NFL free agency. And you guys, the Carolina Panthers, have snagged Teddy Bridgewater for $20 million a year for three years. What are your emotions about Teddy? What have the last couple of days been like following Panther free agency news? Uh, well, it's been crazy. I mean, first of all, they get rid of Gerald McCoy. They get rid of Eric Reed. They get rid of James Bradbury. They get rid of Cam Newton. Uh, Keekley retires. Uh, I mean, look, uh, the, the Carolina Panthers are a team that is in a complete rebuild. I believe that David Tepper is blowing the team up and he's doing it with a purpose. So listen, there's a lot of Carolina Panthers fans out there that are completely up in arms and I get it. You know, I mean, I get it. I understand when you get rid of all these iconic players that have been on the team for a long time, some of the greatest players in the NFL, quite frankly, there's going to be a lot of emotions about it because people, you know, fans, they have an emotional attachment to players that have been there for a long time. And yeah. I'm a, I, I, and I'm a Cam Newton fan. I've, I'm a Cam Newton defender. I always have been, but at the end of the day, I didn't, I'm not surprised by this, right? Because David Tepper, um, he, he gave it a year, right? And he's like, he looked around and said, yeah, this ain't working, right? It didn't, it wasn't working before he got there. It's not working now. And so he's blowing the team up. And he's going to try to recreate this team in his own image. He went out. Now, here's what I'll say about David Tepper. I wasn't sure about him in the beginning, right? Yeah. But but the hires that he made, Matt Rule, uh, I give that an A+. All right. Uh, Joe Brady, I give that an A+. Oh, yeah. So w- when you look at him blowing the team up and bringing these new guys in there, I am, I'm holding off judgment. 
I'm, I'm keeping my emotions at bay. You know, as much of a Cam Newton fan and a Greg Olson fan and all that as I am, I'm keeping my emotions at bay because I feel like you got to give this guy a chance, right? You got to give him a chance to rebuild the team in his own image. And I, I'm, I think I might be wrong in this, but I think what they're doing is tanking. And I know people don't like to hear that word tank. They, when you hear the word tank, you say, oh, they're giving up, right? No. You know, tanking could be anywhere from losing every game on purpose to possibly just trying to win three or four games and trade up in the draft to get the guy you want at, at number two or number one. So I think that they're looking for a franchise quarterback. Yes, they they signed Teddy Bridgewater, but they signed Teddy Bridgewater for a, 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 a mediocre contract, a three-year deal for $60 million. That's backup money. That's good backup money, but it's backup money. That, that, that tells you all you need to know. They don't think that Teddy Bridgewater is the franchise quarterback of the future. He's just the guy that they got to put in there to save face and to, to for a bridge and maybe to mentor whoever they do draft. So I'm thinking, and this is my, just my opinion and my, uh, my, my prediction on the whole situation, is that they are going, planning on losing anywhere between 13 and 15 games this next season. And they're looking for a franchise quarterback, whether it be Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, come 2021 draft. And they're going to build the team around that. I think they'll keep Christian McCaffrey because why wouldn't you? I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't. Hmm. I don't know. I don't know why you get Chris uh, get rid of him at this point. He's he's only and it's going into his third year, so that would be stupid to get rid of him. So yeah, that's the way I feel about it. I'm optimistic. A, a lot. Listen, a lot of Carolina Panthers fans think the world's falling, the sky's falling, it's over. I'm giving up on the team. I'm gonna go root for another team, whatever it is. I'm not that way. I feel like that. Uh, I'm gonna give this a chance and see where it goes. You know what, Pete? Um... I look at that. I look at a lot of your comments, and I I agree with the Panthers that keeping Cam Newton. I, I think it's be, it's better to just fully embrace the new era of Panther football, which is Joe Brady, Matt Rule, and with Cam Newton, you might have scrapped your way to like six or seven wins. I actually think you are underrating uh, Teddy Bridgewater, and I, I'm kind of surprised that Carolina fans, that some of them are really devastated because, well, I'm not surprised. I think that that Teddy Bridgewater for $20 million, I think it's a steal because I think this this guy could potentially be a quarterback that can fill in and start for four or five years. And I think that they view Bridgewater differently because Joe Brady worked down in New Orleans with Bridgewater. Bridgewater was slated to maybe go to the Chicago Bears. And Bridgewater, it, with his injury history, maybe that's why they signed him to a three-year deal. But this guy, I mean, he, he – I think he's almost as qualified as Ryan Tannehill. I know Tannehill won uh, the playoff games, but Bridgewater was a starter in Minnesota, and then he was undefeated with New Orleans last year. He doesn't turn the ball over. He's going to get the ball out to McCaffrey. I think he's actually a better and safer choice than Cam, and he's getting paid $10 million less than, um, than Ryan Tannehill which is right. pretty incredible, Pete, when you think about it, because I view Tannehill as, as the same as Bridgewater. I view them exactly parallel, and I absolutely love the flexibility that you still have with this move, and I guess I'm going to comment and let you respond to my comment, but also I want to know what you think about the quarterback draft and about Justin Herbert, because he might be there at seven if you want to pull the trigger on a quarterback now. 
Okay, so listen, there's a lot to unpack here. First of all, I, I'm not a – I like Ted, Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a good quarterback. But you've got to look – Teddy Bridgewater alone is not going to win this team games. All right, so they've, they've literally gotten rid of all their blue-chip players, all of them. There's not a single one left other than Christian McCaffrey. So that alone tells me that they're in a rebuild, and they're using Teddy Bridgewater as a rebuild. Now, this isn't a bad thing necessarily because you just mentioned that Teddy Bridgewater has a relationship with Joe Brady, and he knows that offensive system from New Orleans You know, before Joe Brady went to LSU. That's great. But guess what else that does? Whenever they do draft a franchise quarterback, whether it be Herbert or anybody, you know, Lawrence or or, or Fields yeah. or, who, or whoever it is, that yeah. means that, that Teddy Bridgewater could be a mentor to that guy and teach him what he's learned over the past several years from Joe Brady. So mm. I, I, I that's what I think that Bridgewater is. I think he's a bridge. He'll win you some games, but he's not meant to, you know, take you to the Super Bowl or anything like that. And whenever the, it comes time – for the the next guy to come along, then Bridgewater will be the mentor. And twenty million dollars a year is well worth being a mentor to a to a franchise, a young guy. You know, completely I, I, agree. Complete, right. completely agree. I mean, your defense, you did lose Keekley, so the defense is not doesn't really have any talent. When I look, when I'm looking at this roster, this defense well, the, is a little bit. They, the, the, the defense is they've blown the defense up. So. And that's another thing. So you mentioned them possibly uh, going after Herbert if, if he's still there at seven. I don't think they're going to do that. Now, they might do that. I don't think they will. I think they're going to go after defense. I think they're going to draft defense in this draft and get a bunch of young uh, guys in there that are really talented and on defense. And then come 2021, go after the elite receivers, elite uh, quarterback mainly. And, and and offensive line and build it that way. They might, they actually might go after some offensive linemen in this draft as well. Yeah, I think, and I know Trey Turner left. So, um, man, looking at looking at the roster, I mean, but but last year, you you guys, I mean, even with Kyle Allen and McCaffrey, I still think you're going to be winning some games. Uh, whether that's six games, seven games, I guess the defense is a huge problem now. But, with Bra- but, now with Brady joining Tampa, that team's going to be good. Go I ahead. was going to say, but look at I was going to say, look at the division they're in, man. You're talking about New Orleans, Tampa Bay, who is uh, Tampa Bay is completely loaded right now. Tampa Bay might be the most loaded team in the NFC South, and then uh, so, and, and then Atlanta. Atlanta's, you know, they're not. I, I think Atlanta's better than Carolina is right now uh, as far as personnel and, and and certainly in continuity as far as the coaching staff goes. So Carolina, they're, they are the preemptive fourth spot in the NFC South. And if you're not, if you have no chance to win your division anyway, what's the point in winning seven games? Well, I, I would argue that because one, if you win seven games, you still have the ability to trade down. There's only one quarterback in in the next draft, Trevor Lawrence, that I believe is a transcendent player. Uh, and, and, but but this is why I'm arguing it, Pete, is because eventually Matt Rule's gonna ha- you're gonna have to build confidence. He has to build confidence as a college coach. He has to figure out the NFL game. I do like that they're taking the long approach, but eventually this guy Matt Rule is gonna have to win some games. You want to see him get on a decent footing in this league so that everybody doesn't question this hire. Yeah, but he's but he but he doesn't have to win games his first year, especially if that's not the plan. 
And I think it's unrealistic for people to think that they will win a lot of games. Listen, they, we, we, listen. When you look at this roster, they've they can barely even field a football team right now. Now we still have to see what happens in the rest of the offseason with the trades and and, and the free agency. But listen, they're they're on the verge of signing people off the sidewalk in Charlotte to just to field a football team. Hmm. So most, you know, you look at most of the of the top tier players in the offseason right now they're, they're all accounted for now we had we just had todd Gurley uh come available but we but do you need todd Gurley when you've got christian mccaffrey not really i mean i guess it would be a good pickup but i'm just talking about every position you're every guy left for for, for the majority of the the most of the guys left are second third and fourth tier players so anybody right. that anybody they pick up now is going to be just a fill-in just a uh, a fall guy and I, I expect to probably see a lot of rookies that they draft in the 2020 draft playing on on game one, you know, to get them some experience for 2021. I just don't I just I just I every sign and I could be wrong about this, but I'm just telling you, my my intuition is that every sign is pointing towards them tanking on purpose or losing a lot of games on purpose this year. I, I just don't think this year is going to be a terrible year for the Carolina Panthers. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, because it's it's almost hard to, to to have hope when your defense doesn't have any any top notch guys. Basically. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Shaq Thompson's there. Listen, they got a couple of guys, but no, they don't have anybody who's you know, they don't have any guy that, that anybody's uh, buying jerseys from, unless you're a Carolina <laughs> Panthers fan. You know what I'm saying? Right, and they—you're right. With Rivera, it was one last ditch effort last year. When you have Mario Addison, who was 29 years old, and he's gone too. He was getting up there. So, but but you don't want to spend or splurge a lot of cap money just to get maybe to that eight or nine win threshold. I think that in the next couple of years, you guys are going to have so much cap space. Is that accurate? Now it should happen that way. They're going to have the, the, the probably the least amount of dead money in the NFL come 2021, and I think that's the plan. Uh, they're going to have a lot of cap space. They're going to have a lot of dead money. I mean, a, 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 the least amount of dead money. And um, yeah, so they're, they're going to be. It's it's a I, I, David Tepper. You know, a lot of Carolina Panthers fans think this guy. Oh, this guy's an idiot. Look at look at all the people he's getting rid of. David Tepper mm-hmm. has no emotional attachment to any of those guys at all. David Tepper's not only is he a businessman, but I, I I truly believe this, and I could be 100% wrong. I believe that David Tepper 110% is focusing on the future and winning Super Bowls. I don't think David Tepper just wants to get to a Super Bowl. I think he wants to want, wants to win one. I think David Tepper wants to win two. I think David Tepper wants to win three Super Bowls in the next 10 years. Now, will he achieve that? Probably not, but that's what I think he wants to do. And um, I, it, it would be ridiculous for anybody to, to think that they, you know, the, his his knowledge of the game or his or his knowledge of being an owner is 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 ridiculous when he's never been one. He's been a part owner in, in, with the Steelers, which, by the way, he's been a part owner of a team who's probably the most respected winning program in, in NFL history over the past 50 years. So, yeah. 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 So, yeah. So I'm not I'm not doubting him. I, I and I, I love this move because a, a nervous owner 
would be so petrified of 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 losing all these games an owner with no with no uh tough skin would be so afraid of losing these games that he would just try to save the old core just to go like 5 and 11 kind of like Washington's doing but I love that they're embracing the rebuild kind of like you're laying out to me because I wasn't I needed to actually look at their roster and, and the points you're making now to see that this actually could really be a rebuild. And and you know what is great news, Pete, is that Joe Brady, I'm sure that the selling point in recruiting Joe Brady was that you're going to get a blank slate. You're going to get an open canvas. And you know what? You're going to be able to fail a lot during the first couple of years or try really unique, crazy concepts. So you'll get to see how your game you you'll get to see how you'll call an NFL game. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And the, and the, and the acquisition of Joe Brady makes me excited because I think that Joe Brady is, first of all, he's a young guy. Hell, he's younger than I am. Uh, what is he like 32 years old or something? 31 years old. Super young. Yeah. So he's super young. He likes to throw the ball and he likes to throw the ball a lot. Now, Cam Newton, as amazing as he was, and I love Cam Newton, I'm not disparaging him, but passing was not his forte. We all know that, right? He was not a, he was not a guy that was going to throw it 50 times a game and get you a win with that. I think Joe Brady is looking at drafting a passing quarterback. That's why I'm looking at, at Trevor Lawrence. That's why I'm looking at Justin Fields, somebody with elite arm talent that could throw the ball over the field and is athletic and can make the plays with their legs. And so, I, listen, I'm excited. I, the more I think about it, the more excited I get. As long as they do what I think that they're gonna do is and do and go after an elite, you know, a passer and throw the ball over the yard, uh, like I think Joe Brady wants to do. And guess what? So Matt Rule defensively, he's gonna figure out the NFL game, and this is such a long-term kind of um, Carolina. It really is the long game now. Like if they if they signed Mike McCarthy who's a little bit older, it, it's oh, uh, not oh. really, it's not, it's a job for a young, innovative. And, and I, I view Matt rule, Pete, I view him as having a very high upside. I think he is going to work, but don't you agree? It is boomer bust with Matt rule. Well, every coach is boomer bust, right? But, I but think, this guy's um, a college guy with not a lot of experience, Yeah, but, but he's, but he's coached in the NFL before and not as a head coach. But he's, right. I mean, One he's, year. he's, he, yeah. yeah, but he, but he's done it all, man. And this guy, listen, Matt rule is he, he, he impresses me massively. Not, but listen, we, he went to temple with a team that was a, a two win team, uh, made him relevant again, went to Baylor. Baylor might've been the worst situation outside of maybe old miss, right. With all the sanctions and all the crazy stuff that went on there. They were two and uh, two and 10 or one and 11, I think his first year. And then he took them to an 11 win team within two years. Um, this guy coached at, at both uh, both levels, both NFL and college, on both sides of the football, defense and offense. This guy is a really, really good coach. I'm talking about really good coach, and he's yeah. proven that he can take a franchise that, that needs rebuilding and rebuild it. And that's what they're doing. So he rebuilt Temple, he rebuilt Baylor, and now what he's his his biggest task of all tasks is to rebuild the Carolina Panthers. And I have faith that he can do that. So Pete, I'll actually tell you. Um, I'll actually give an argument now that I think about it, why you might want to not, why Trevor Lawrence, even though he's going to be a transcendent quarterback, um, 
I'll tell you why maybe they're not even going to draft a quarterback next year or this year now that you think about it. So I'll, I'll give you the argument against Herbert now. So this roster is so depleted on defense. The offensive line doesn't even seem that great. The, the the wide receivers, I mean, a team isn't made with wide receivers, but you also have Greg Olson who left. I think that this rebuild is actually going to take the full three years, and that's why Teddy Bridgewater is absolutely the placeholder. So in three years, this team's going to have so much cap space that you might want to save on getting your rookie quarterback because having a great rookie quarterback, that is your window to win a Super Bowl. That's gold. You look at Josh Allen, uh, Patrick Mahomes is making $4.5 million a year. So I think that in three years, when the roster is more complete, I think that's when you start that clock on a young kid. Yeah, but I, I don't see them drafting a quarterback this year in the first round. Right. I, I, Trevor, I, I, Trevor is so damn good. And and, and the relationships that that uh, that that Charlotte has with Clemson, I think that Trevor could be a, a yes. But I agree with you about this year. Yeah. So, I mean. I just don't see them doing that this year. I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the starter for 16 games this year, you know, barring injury. Uh, they went out and wasted and completely wasted. And I and I called it a pick on uh, – what's his face from uh, – I don't even know. I'm, I'm having a brain fart here. Who? Uh, third round pick last year. Uh, Will uh, Greer. Quarter, Will Greer. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. From they, went out, they, went out, they went out and wasted a pick on Will Greer in the third round last year. Uh, they, they signed Teddy Bridgewater this year. They're not going after quarterback early in the draft this year. And so at one at some point they're looking for a guy, you know, the main guy, uh, a franchise quarterback to lead them into the next 10 to 15 years, the way that Cam Newton did when he was drafted in 2010, uh, to lead them into the future. And that will be, in my estimation, either next year or the year after. I'm just I'm just looking at next year, and I'm looking at the two guys. I'm looking at two guys in particular, and those guys are Trevor Lawrence and uh, Justin Fields that will both be available next year. I know there's other guys out there too. I think those two will be the, the, the main two that every team is looking at and uh, Trevor Lawrence in particular. And I do know, I mean, I don't know this for a fact cause I'm not in the facility, but there are a lot of rumblings around the facility. And this has been, this has been since Matt rules hired. This isn't just now that Matt rule is a huge, huge admirer of Trevor Lawrence and he wants him bad. Now, I don't know if that's true or not, <laughs> but uh, but uh, but based on what they're doing right now, it's not a far stretch to believe that. And then he could he could be the franchise. Well, Pete, I want to ask you a couple uh, a quick questions here before I have you go. I really I really thank you again for joining the podcast. Uh, so what do you think about uh, Cam? I'll ask you first. We'll stay with Carolina. Then we'll go around the NFL. Do you think Cam Newton? Where do you think is a good trade destination for Cam? Well, I thought the destination was going to be Chicago, and now that Nick Foles is going there, that's probably not going to happen. Uh, the other one was the Colts, and of course, Philip Rivers going to the Colts. So, I mean, if you look around the NFL right now, there's not a whole lot of destinations for him. Washington could be a spot. I know Dwayne Haskins is there, but the the, the connection with Ron Rivera would make sense. Uh, right. Cam Newton, Cam Newton, and Ron Rivera had a very good relationship all the way till the end. Um, I know Rivera loves Newton, and I know and I know it's uh, reciprocated. So. Yeah, you know, it, it would. I guess th that would depend on, you know, how confident is Ron Rivera in Dwayne Haskins, which we don't know that. The other one would be the Chargers, I guess. I mean, yeah. outside of those two teams, Washington and L.A., can you think of another team that would even entertain New the idea? New England. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. Now, look, 
that's that's an that's an interesting one because can you imagine you, you listen I you know that the the uh, the personality of Cam Newton yes and the personality of Bill Belichick again <laughs> <laughs> do, do, does that seem like a symbiotic relationship to you <laughs> no and Cam Lutz <laughs> with not only the the clothing but the uh, the play style you know is is, yeah. is very you know it's very improvisational. Now look, I do I do know for a fact I think that that uh, Bill Belichick completely respects Cam Newton's game. I mean, Cam Newton beat the he was he's undefeated against the Patriots. I don't know if you know that. He's never lost a game head to head with the Patriots. But oh, yeah, the, well uh, he won the pass interference game with Greg Olson, I think on yeah. Monday night football. Did he even go up there and beat them? Yeah, what? yeah. I th- I think he's uh, and I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I think he's either two and zero or three and zero against the Patriots in his career. Hmm. Um, so, so I so yeah. So I know, I know that Bill Belichick as a, as a defensive guy respects Cam Newton and, and his abilities, but at the end of the day, like, is there is there two bigger different type of quarterbacks than Tom Brady and Cam Newton? <laughs> I mean, no. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. I think Washington or L.A. is probably where he'll land. Yeah, or or a quarterback battle with like, like maybe a like like it's interesting because in one more year, one of these, yeah, with with Lamar Jackson, yeah. uh, I think that people they I think that Lamar though I mean I I think Cam wants to play so I know but but could you imagine a two quarterback system with Lamar Jackson and Cam Newton? I mean, listen, oh, they're, I, they're I, running the I, option. I, I, yeah, I don't think that's going to happen, but imagine a more exciting football team than Cam Newton and Lamar Jackson on the same oh, roster. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, th- there are like certain de- destinations like like even in, in one year, you know how Chicago was with Mitchell Trubisky in one year. We're going to find out that Baker, Josh Allen or Sam Darnold, one of them is going to be on the brink. And that's where, you know, and that's where Cam could. You know, end up or or something like that. But I think he'll be he'll be in like a backup role. I think that Cam Newton should get a chance to compete for the starting job. So maybe uh, I don't know if you trade him to the Dolphins. I don't know if if maybe Dolphins. Yeah, that's an interesting one too. You could it's, still uh, trade him to the to the uh, Colts or something. Let him compete. No, no Colts. He's not going to the Colts. First of all, well, the contract situation is is a whole beast in itself. I don't think you said you mentioned Josh Allen. I don't think the I think the Bills are all in on Josh Allen. I don't think that's yes. going to happen. No, I agree. Uh, I like Josh Allen too. Um, what were the other ones you named? Uh, the, I think Dolphins maybe. They'll never uh, do. Oh, oh yeah, you thing. said Bake. Bake. That's an interesting one. The Browns. Because yeah, I I can see a listen. I, I first of all, I think Baker is a great quarterback, and I, I think they're definitely in on Baker for this season. But let's say that Baker doesn't work out next season. There could be an opening for a guy like Cam Newton to go into to a place like Cleveland. Yeah, for sure. Yes, yes, sir. What do you think about what do you think about Brady? Is it a wild card? Uh, where is he going to take this Tampa team, in your opinion? Oh man, you know what? You know what I equate this to, and this is this is a very lazy take on this, but it's it's an honest take. So you remember when a couple, or not a couple of years ago, but 2015, whenever Peyton Manning left the Colts and went to the Broncos. Oh, wow. I, th- I think this is a very similar situation. So, I mean, Peyton Manning in 2015 was washed up. He was done, went to the Broncos. 
he actually had a pretty terrible year as far as the quarterback play went. He couldn't throw the ball more than 25 yards. It was actually pretty pitiful. But they won the Super Bowl against my Carolina Panthers. Well, no, but he did win, I think, an MVP in in Denver, actually. I think he was red hot, though, when he first got there, if you remember. Do you remember that? Well, he must have. He only spent like two seasons there. Yeah, the first year he was actually red hot, but right. that was mightily successful. I would say that that was mightily successful. All right, so here's – but my point here is when you, as far as Brady goes is that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are absolutely loaded on both sides of the football. And honestly, the offensive side of the ball, which is all that matters for Brady, right, is is way more loaded than what anything he's had with the Patriots over the past two or three seasons. So, yeah. But at the end of the day, though – his age does play a factor in this. He's not getting younger. He's getting older. And last year was pretty bad, right? He didn't look very good. And uh, I just, I don't know. I think that it could be a situation, like like I said, with, with Peyton Manning going to the Broncos and winning a Super Bowl in 2015 because of the, I mean, the, the Broncos that year were just absolutely loaded and they were just elite. And so you might see something like that, maybe. But if I had to bet any kind of money on it, uh, Tom Brady's not winning a Super Bowl at, at Tampa Bay. If, that, if I had to guess, it, it's not going to happen. I think that they, they might they might get close. I mean, their secondary needs to improve, and and the weapons and and Bruce Arians. I mean, what Bruce Arians did with Carson Palmer at the back half of his career, Big Ben and uh, and Peyton Manning. Listen, uh, Tampa, it, Tampa Bay's got a really good offensive line, which which Brady hasn't had in a while. They've got a good running game. They've got two or three elite wide receivers. They've got O.J. Howard at tight end. I mean, they got a bunch of weapons on offense. Yeah. Uh, the, the defense looks pretty good, too. So that's what I'm saying is I think the defense is nowhere near Denver, though. They, they're they still very young on yeah. the back end. And yeah. I'm just it, the thing about also Tampa, Pete, is and you notice better than anybody is that the infrastructure of that franchise is, is not tight like a Denver was. So it, it would be remarkable to even see if he if he takes the, the, the box anywhere, it'll be remarkable. You know I, what I, I mean? I, With I, the I agree. Of I, that agree. Fan base. I agree. I think the I think that the expectations for that team is going to be way higher than what they're actually going to achieve. I could see a possible scenario where yeah, he signed a three year deal. Right. So I, I could see a possible scenario for maybe one year, maybe two at the most where they make the playoffs and maybe win a playoff game. As far as Super Bowl goes, I don't see it. It's a great uh, I think it's a great spot for Brady. And I also give him a lot of credit because he didn't just sell out like you see some of the athletes like LeBron in the Lakers or if Brady right. went to a, a chart, even if he went to the Chargers, a huge market. I like that he went to this little well, listen, market, in Tampa, Florida. He went to a little market, but he got paid, son. Thirty million dollars a year for three years at 43 years old is a is a is a payday so he did sell out he did sell out a little bit (laughs) but it was a great game i think this is great for tampa though they need some somebody reputable there yeah well i hate tampa so i'm not going to give them that and mike evans and and that whole and that whole team but uh pete it was it was a great pod man and really enjoyed really enjoyed the time and i want to thank you for coming on it's always a good time brother everybody go check out my man Spencer from Rover Sports on the podcast and on YouTube. All right, Pete. Thanks so much.